0: lessons should we apply today from the 1918 flu pandemic? Hi, it's Chris. Dr. Howard Markle studies the history of pandemics. He's the director of the Center for the History of Medicine at the University of Michigan and a New York Times best-selling author. Howard, the floor is yours. The most important lesson that we've learned from the 1918 flu pandemic, and this was based on a massive study that we did here at the University of Michigan with the CDC, was to find out about what are now called social distancing measures and about 20 years ago were called non-pharmaceutical interventions. And as an older historian, I would simply call them quarantine and isolation, uh, school closures and public gathering bans. And you know, in 1918, that's really all they had available to them. They didn't even know really what caused influenza uh, and knew very little about virology. But these older methods had been used for a long, long time at least since the uh, 14th century when quarantine was developed, but no one had really ever studied, did they work? And we knew that there were many cities in America or around the world that did these, but they did them in uh, different orders. They did them for different lengths of time and they did them, some did them early and some did them late. And what we found out statistically and and, and definitively was that cities that did them early, because you must act early before the virus spreads, all over the community uh, that did more than one, that layered these responses, did school closures with quarantine and isolation and with public gathering bans and for a long period of time, because all these measures do is allow you to hide from the mm-hmm. virus in question. Uh, they don't cure, in this case, flu or prevent it uh, any more than we're doing now. Or we're simply hiding and we found that that to be the case and many other studies followed and then 2009 h1n1 these methods were used in mexico to great effect until they realized that the h1n1 pandemic while a pandemic was not that much more lethal than regular seasonal flu and these measures would only be hauled out in a worst case scenario like the 1918 flu where The case fatality rate was 2.5% or higher. And early on in the COVID crisis, we were seeing the case fatality rate, you know, it was estimated as much higher than 3%. And among certain groups of people, elderly, people with hypertension or obesity or diabetes, they are dying at very high rates. So we have rolled these out again today. And uh, I don't know if I'm responsible for that, but I was one of many people who are calling for that in such a situation with history as a guide how will people seek to balance their desire to return to normalcy versus the need to stay healthy we're seeing certain signs even now but what would you expect based on history well you know the natives getting restless is something that is almost predictable you know staying home not doing your thing Mm -hmm. You know, the economic implications of this policy are enormous and incredibly disruptive as we're seeing, uh, not only if you follow the stock market or, or things like that, but many, many Americans, many people have jobs that pay you by the hour or by the job or that you actually have to show up in person to do those tasks, as opposed to being a professor, for example, where I can do a lot of my work long distance, it's amazing we're finding out now how much, in terms of teaching or administrative work, and of course research, can be done uh, from a distance. I'm very lucky to have such a, a job, but many people do not. And of course, there are real imperatives of paying one's rent or mortgage, or feeding yourself, you know, taking care of your family. That can make you quite nervous and upset about these measures. And in fact, even the term lockdown which i don't like and i don't advocate these aren't lockdowns per se Uh, they are safety regulations to keep you healthy so as a physician i will always choose health and life over economic issues that's you know some people have said that's your bias like well i don't think so that's my training and that's my job as a a health professional Um, but we have to figure out how to care for americans who don't have a job that is paying them right now uh, so that they are not forced to make a decision between doing the right thing for one's community, because these are socially mediated diseases, or paying one's rent. And based on history, if you were to look into a crystal ball quickly, what happens next? Based on, if you look at the 1918-19 pandemic, 23 of the 43 cities that we study uh, wanted to return to normalcy too early. The cases were just not low enough that you once you reopened, you know, healthy people might get sick again. know, anyway, and that's the thing, when people talk about waves of the flu or even COVID. I'm reevaluating that. I don't think it's waves. I think the virus is circulating and it's still circulating. And even if say, you know, we have 1.5 or 6 million people who've tested positive for COVID. Well, let's say it's more than that. Let's say it's 20 times. Let's say it's 30 times there. So you still have, okay, 30, 35 million people who have, have had it. That's still 320 million Americans who are susceptible. And if the virus is still circulating and we go back to normal behavior, they some of them, many of them may get sick. So in 1918, that happened. So the cases went up and then they put the brake on and the cases went down. And then they opened up too early, and the cases went back up again. And then they reinstituted these measures. So we had these, I called them double-humped curves. Hmm. And we do have that risk of, in fact, we're kind of seeing that in Georgia and other places that may have returned to so-called normal Operations too early. So I worry about that because then you have the bad things of social distancing, the disruption, the economic problems, only to have to go back to them. Uh, What Germany is doing, I think, in a very measured way, is they ordered them these social distancing measures early. And we've just seen a a study from Columbia University that was reported in the New York Times yesterday uh, how important it is to act early and how many deaths would be prevented if we had done so. And so Germany acted very early and in a very measured, careful way. They have now reopened, but they have a, uh, uh, a level at which they won't tolerate new cases. So if they find in a particular community, there are 50 cases, new cases per day, per 100,000 people, the measures will be put back on. And so I think that's a reasonable kind of estimate, guesstimate, you know, that, that, that probably will work. Um, but I do worry that if we go back too early, we will see more cases. And almost every state in the union is about to do that right now. Howard, thank you for your time. Thank you.